1: When Ryan's, when it's time to begin, it's on the Rewind Around with John Pollock and Waiting. The 18 that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's Rewind Around for Monday night, a Tuesday morning from the Post Wrestling site. It's Rewind Around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Waiting. The mic. It is another week here at Post Wrestling. I am John Pollock, he is waiting. And RAW is in the books from Providence, Rhode Island. We will be getting to that in about two hours' time. In in before that, we have much to discuss. How are you, Way? <laughs> I well. didn't know where I was going there. Uh, you you arrived at a you know uh, at
0: the destination. I'm saying ultimately. we have a lot to
1: talk about before before RAW. That's what I was getting to.
0: That we do, yeah. Um, you know, you you got there. That's all that matters.
1: Way, did you watch the Oscars?
0: I did actually.
1: I was kind of into it this year, more yeah. than uh, ma- many years, uh, including last year with, with, like the slap seemed to be uh, for, for many, like the low point uh, uh, of the Oscars. So I was glad they cracked a joke about it, but they didn't go overboard with it. The last thing I wanted was just needless reminders of the slap from last year. It's like, okay. Get your joke in, but I didn't want it to be the prevailing theme this year. It was, it was a decent show from what I saw. I didn't watch the whole thing or anything, but I thought the monologue was good. Um, I was, I I was definitely interested more in some of the movies that I had not seen, uh, that were featured on this, but overall it was, uh, it was decent. Tom Cruise didn't show up. What was up with that? Probably knew he wasn't going to win for anything. Well, that's,
0: uh, Cameron didn't either.
1: Yeah, no, what, what are up with these two? I mean, two of like the, the pillars and they don't, they don't show up for the big award show. Whatever. I mean, I think it should be automatic. You don't show up. You can't win the award. That's guaranteed. Like you and all of your castmates too. Like you're disqualified. If you're the lead in the movie, that's, that's the onus that is on you by being a leading man. You got to earn all these millions. Okay. And if you're not going to just show up for one night, then tough. No, no one from Top Gun Maverick is eligible. No one from Avatar 2. Tough. Wow, you guys really? enjoy your night off because you're giving everyone else. You're dropping the ball big time. That's, that would be my rule as the, uh, the the head of this operation. But what what did you enjoy? What did you What did you like? Big night for Encino man.
0: I, I I guess so. Yeah. Congrats to Brendan Fraser. Um, I actually didn't see the monologue, so I I couldn't really tell you how well Jimmy Kimmel did. Um, I I mean he did about I I think as well as you know like I, I enjoyed him previously in in other years. So um I I didn't think he like you know overtook or like I, I guess I don't know um, turned me off in any sort of way I thought he was a perfectly fine host um, for me uh, you know it was it was getting to see some of the speeches in some of the awards here in, in particular with Michelle Yeoh and Ki Kwan shout out short round uh, for winning for everything everywhere all at once it was uh, you know some some really great speeches from those two great performance from, from Rihanna uh, as well I thought uh, Jamie Lee Curtis
1: won best supporting yes, actress
0: mm-hmm. that she did
1: yeah, it was, uh, it, she wins the award and they have like the, uh, the stat over the loudspeaker. It's like Jamie Lee Curtis first appeared in Halloween and then directed last year's Halloween movie. It's like, that's, uh, I guess Halloween would be what she is most, most known for, but it just seemed like such a, uh, here she's just won an Oscar last year. She directed the last Halloween movie. Like, okay, well, <laughs> upwards and onwards, I guess.
0: I, I, I guess it's it's what she's most recently.
1: Done. I love the first uh, Halloween movie, but they've uh, it's certainly been an exhausted franchise. I think most people would would admit to that. But congratulations mm. to her; she won. Uh, I guess it was a it was a heated race. Yeah, it was. Yeah,
0: I mean, people seem to be really disappointed that Angela Bassett didn't win. Um, I, you know, awards, I guess, are subjective. Um, I thought Angela Bassett did great. Um, I'm sure there's justification. Like, if you wanted to maybe compare screen time, cause I kind of feel like her, her role was probably, um, not as long as, like, maybe Jamie Lee Curtis's was and, in, in everything everywhere all at once. But I mean, you what know, qualifies as support debatable. between
1: what's support versus a lead? Like, is it, is it a time? I'm not sure, actually. I'm not entirely sure. I'm sure they have a very specific definition of it all. I I did not see Jamie Lee Curtis's movie, uh, but but I did see Black Panther. Uh, she was she was very good in the movie. Did you? What was what was your last uh, tally of the best picture nominees that you did see? I only saw Top Gun Maverick and Elvis. I think I don't think I saw any. Others.
0: Yeah, I saw that. I saw I saw Elvis. I saw Top Gun. I saw everything everywhere all at once. I'm not sure if I saw too many of the others. Um, Like I probably intended on seeing like Tar or like The Fablemans, and I just never got around to it. I I don't know if I'm that interested ultimately. So,
1: okay. So our Oscar for Best Picture goes to um. What what would what would have been your pick? Way of the ones you saw. What was the best movie you saw?
0: It was Everything Everywhere All at Once. That was
1: that was the best movie. Okay, that seems like a good consensus. Do you think I would like it? Yeah, I do. Okay. I looked at the runtime. That's that was my only it does pass two hours so i mean buckle up
0: okay well okay
1: we're moving on we don't we, we don't have time for There's that Oscar, Oscar <laughs> chat. Okay. let's keep going let's keep going
0: Expert analysis here as
1: always that's right i want to start off because uh coming up wrestlemania week uh way and i are going to be doing shows monday through sunday for everybody uh we are well for Monday through Friday, the way the format is going to work, we're going to keep our Raw and Dynamite reviews like usual. But for post-wrestling cafe members, you will be getting shows Monday through Friday in the afternoon. We will be dropping shows, chatting about uh, WrestleMania week, shows from the night prior, uh, look-aheads to WrestleMania weekend. Might have a couple guests stopping by, so it will be WrestleMania week at the post-wrestling Cafe beginning that Monday afternoon with our first of many, many bonus shows. And then we will still be doing free live shows Saturday night and Sunday night following each night of WrestleMania. So the goal is that by Monday after WrestleMania, you will be so sick of us that Monday's episode of Rewind to Raw, it's going to be me and Way alone here chatting about. Raw. That's the goal. Uh, But that is all coming up. Great time to jump on board. PostWrestlingCafe.com. $6 gets you in the door and access to that entire week of bonus shows, which will include a edition of Rewind Away that week as well. Chatting the infamous CM Punk interview on the art of wrestling uh, coming up at the end of March. So looking forward to that. I think it's going to be a busy week. A lot of shows coming together, uh, matches being listed. We have our guide up at postwrestling.com furiously adding to that list as all these announcements come come down.
0: Yeah, post wrestling.com slash mania if you want that schedule. But yeah, we'll be here. We'll be we'll be um covering everything everywhere all at once.
1: Oh uh, my goodness. All
0: week long, WrestleMania week. So join up and sign up right now and get you a whole month plus sample. This is the perfect time to sample our um our bonus shows and obviously you get to support the site as well. So we appreciate everybody who's joining on on board.
1: Yes. And maybe maybe we will track down uh, a guest or two, maybe that that white whale that we have been seeking out all, all this time. Maybe we will finally land them. Uh, we will find out. Look uh, look out for all of that. The last week of March uh, going into WrestleMania weekend. But we'll start off with the news, and unfortunately, a very uh, very sad story to start off with, and that is the passing of Barrett Lundy, who is the 37 year old son of Marty Lundy, aka arn anderson and the older brother of brock anderson and uh not a lot of details that we have heard beyond that he died on friday 37 years old and there's going to be a celebration of life for him this thursday in charlotte north carolina and you know sadly this is uh obviously very similar to what kevin nash uh is going through and of course years ago rick flair losing a son as well it's it's just tragic uh way um you know, mm-hmm. this is just and you can see just from the few comments that uh, have been made online through uh, the uh, Arne Anderson's uh, Twitter account just um, just seems devastating, obviously. So our best thoughts to the Lundy family, um, you know, 37 years old, that goes without saying it's a uh, tragically young.
0: I mean, it's we're talking about, you know, somebody who's um, two years younger than us. And and it's I can't fathom it. I can't fathom it. Uh, you know, just a. Uh, now, as a father um, myself, you know, just I, so um, what what really can you say about something like this? You know, you never want anybody that you know to ever go through it. Um, so uh, all our thoughts are with uh, the Lundy family.
1: We also want to wish all of our best to uh, independent wrestlers Dominic Guarini, Joshua Bishop, Derek Dillinger, and Marino Tenaglia. They were involved in a car accident on Sunday morning. They were en route to a booking, and there was a photo posted on the uh, the AIW Twitter account of the car. Thankfully, it sounds like all four are doing okay, and uh, the word I was told is that, all of them are in high spirits and there are no major injuries. So it seems like they, they avoided uh, any serious, uh, damage. But obviously it's an aspect of professional wrestling that we sometimes forget about. And that is the, the travel involved. And of course there was, uh, you know, with Daniel Garcia and, and company a number of years ago. Um, but you know, there was a time in pro wrestling that this was, Rather common that you would have guys that were driving long, long hours in crazy weather and you and you would have a lot of uh, car wrecks. But um, the case here, it seems like all four are doing okay. So we wish them all a a quick and speedy recovery and hopefully are not going to be missing any action. And another health note is uh, superstar Billy Graham that we have uh, updated uh, throughout the past couple of weeks. Uh, most recently him and his wife Valerie dealing with COVID and, uh, And Graham has been in hospital now for uh, the majority of the last couple of uh, months in the Mayo Clinic. Uh, He is still hospitalized, and what he is dealing with is acute renal failure. He's also dealing with this infection in his skull. Uh, He underwent uh, dialysis last week on two occasions, which... uh, Uh, through his wife stated that he tolerated it well, but he's still dealing with congestion in his lungs and some heart concerns. And the infection though, in his skull, this is the one that has been the most difficult they've stated to treat. And as a result, he has no hearing at the moment as well. So it's, Just a lot of bad news that has come out of this as well. It's the financial aspect that they are paying out of their pocket. It's like $200 a day uh, being in the hospital, and they do have a GoFundMe uh, going. And it's – man, in any of these stories, you just hope for like some bit of a glimmer of good news, and Mm -hmm. there just isn't a whole lot to this. It just seems like it's a mountain of health issues and compounded by financial woes on, on top of it.
0: Yeah, yeah, just awful. You know, the, the physical is is enough, but to have to worry financially about it all—um—some not very good news, unfortunately, today.
1: The other uh, story to get to, and I don't know how much uh, more there is to go through this, but I thought we could just kind of go over all we know about the. WWE gambling story because there have been uh, some updates and some further reporting uh, since last week's original report from Alex Sherman at CNBC and what we know now just from uh so some follow ups. So last week, the Michigan Gaming Control Board, which was one of the two states that was originally mentioned in the first CNBC report, um, First of all, we know Colorado appears not interested in this. And then you have Michigan uh, that put out a statement that the Michigan Gaming Control Board has not held direct communications with officials from WWE about offering legal wagering in Michigan on its events. Any request for inclusion uh, in their wagering catalog must be submitted by a Michigan licensed operator or platform provider, and the agency has not received a formal request regarding WWE events and wagering. The WWE should work with the gaming industry if it wishes to bring a proposal before the control board. So what that means essentially is that WWE would need to partner up with an existing uh, gaming service such as a DraftKings, FanDuel, or BetMGM. Now, where we get further into that is um, on CNBC, they did a segment on this with their correspondent, Contessa Brewer, who had stated that... um First of all, noting the fact that Colorado, like none of its regulators, have spoken with WWE about approving bets. And then she interviewed Bet MGM's CEO, Adam Greenblatt, about the idea of taking bets, legalized bets for WWE. And this, the CEO of MGM said, NFW. Which somewhere, Chris Jericho was watching this and saying, aha, I knew it. I just had the wrong three letters to get over. NFW. Is that one, would you ever use that in a, in a everyday I,
0: I, u- usage? Maybe if I was a CEO being interviewed by CNBC and I didn't want to exactly state, um, maybe he was referring to a new promotion that he was, uh, wanting to speak to instead of the WWE.
1: Well, on top of that, um, Contessa Brewer noted that FanDuel, FanDuel has told her that it is highly unlikely it would ever take betting, uh, for WWE matches. And mm-hmm. so what that tells me is that if they want to navigate this in Michigan and probably elsewhere, it seems like it would be with DraftKings, which does have the the most ex, um, experience working with professional wrestling, with deals with both uh, WWE, with AEW, and UFC uh, on top of it. But um, th- that's the latest on on that front. And Alex Sherman did do an interview with Front Office Sports, and the way it sounds from like his reporting is that he even notes this is a long way away uh, from happening. There's a lot that they would have to go through. And it sounds more like there would be, it would almost be like there would be one big match that would become the gambling match. And maybe for, for this year it would have been Roman Reigns and Cody at WrestleMania, but it would not be a case of, you know, up and down the card, which does kind of lessen the chaotic nature of putting this together. Um mm-hmm. But, you know, I think we're at such a preliminary stage of this story that I I think like it is a lot of regulation and approval they have to go through. And it seems that, you know, with Michigan and Colorado, they have not even processed step one. They have registered in Indiana, but it just seems like we are a long way from this even coming to fruition. And you have to question if if they will even get there, if there is this little interest in uh, WWE. And I know that all of the comparisons were made over the weekend. Well, you can bet on the Academy Awards and just learning more about it. It's like seven States that allow it. And it's very limited as as well. Like there is a lot of caution with that. And you could certainly argue that the Academy Awards are less um, able to be manipulated than this would be. And Mm -hmm. I just, just the reaction from this story it has gotten a lot of attention but it's more so the absurdity of it and maybe that's a bit surprising that people are this shocked by it but it doesn't seem like gaming regulators are you know jumping off their couches to take a call with WWE and are interested in this so I guess we will see what DraftKings is interested in and if there's really an appetite for this beyond one or two states right yeah yeah um
0: I feel like, unlike, you know, a lot of cases where I, I, I wish professional wrestling had, um, a bit more respect in the mainstream and that it was taken a bit more seriously, this is sort of like one of those instances where I'm kind of grateful that, like, this story is kind of being laughed off because this sh- probably shouldn't happen. And, you know, you have having like a CEO of a bet MGM basically kind of like, joking about this in in the public eye and a lot of these stories seemingly just kind of talking about this as if it was really absurd um i think that's the right response because i i just don't think this should be really entertained ultimately
1: are you surprised at all that when the story came out it didn't have much movement with the stock the stock is around 80 dollars or so it's not as though because the thinking would be Here's another great revenue generator potentially for the company. And th- this was not a move that was met with, you know, the, the hope of expectations that this moved the stock in any way.
0: I mean, I think the stock is, is ultimately going to be dependent on, um, the TV deals and also the, 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 you know, like real kind of concrete things that are going to probably turn into a profit for the company, you know, or, or the sh- the shareholders, I should say, um, it, it, via sale. Um, something like this, I think is just more so wishful thinking at this point. And even a, a shareholder, if they're even aware of the story, probably realizes that it's, it's probably very far away from ha- happening, if at all.
1: We'll stay on the uh, the business front because uh, Anthem Sports and Entertainment have made a bunch of moves. The biggest being the hiring of former Golden Boy Promotion CEO Richard Schaefer. And what Anthem is doing, they are creating a subsidiary. Subsidiary called Anthem Sports Group, which will oversee Impact Wrestling, Invicta FC, which is the all-women's MMA group, and the Fight Network channel, and Richard Schaefer will oversee this with Scott D'Amore now promoted to president of Impact, Shannon Knapp holding the presidency title with Invicta, and Richard Schaefer is a... Major name when it comes to combat sports promotion of the past several decades, uh, working with Golden Boy up until 2014 and was involved in some of the biggest fights of... That period, including, uh, Oscar de la Hoya and Floyd Mayweather, like all of de la Hoya's like major fights during that, that time period and Bernard Hopkins and the list goes on. So he has a pretty extensive track record also working with, uh, with, uh, on pay-per-view and live events, uh, production. On top of that, um, he has recently served as the business advisor to John Jones and helped broker this, uh, This new contract with the UFC uh, and that got Jones back uh, into the cage after three years as well. So very, very well connected. I'm curious what his outlook is in terms of taking these properties, which I think we can look at Impact and Invicta, and they're relatively niche in their industries and what their plans are. Because when you look at the infrastructure – it's very impressive what Anthem has together. Some of the names that they have put together and the capital that they have behind them that they can mm-hmm. do a lot if they are going to put resources, um, of, of significance into these companies. And the question is finding that, that fan base or being able to secure these, these big money deals, uh, for content creation.
0: Sure. Yeah. I mean, certainly a guy with this sort of track record attached to a combat sports product or products in impact wrestling and Invicta is or in the fight network. Uh, you know, it's, it's a really wonderful name to have. It's a really wonderful as impressed as I think you and I might be at reading this guy's sort of resume. I mean, that's the effect that ultimately I think they want in going into all of these meetings. This isn't just, you know, a, a, a guy who's coming in from. I guess any other sort of like, um, I don't know, uh, industry. Like this is a guy who really, really understands the fight business from a business perspective through and through. And I think and and can also probably
1: get a lot of meetings that not every other person could like, you know, he's on very good terms with with Dana White. And it's like within this industry that they are working within more so uh, the boxing MMA side. I mean, this is somebody that can, open a lot of doors the question is what do you see as the mm. future that you are what is your uh philosophy towards pay per view towards the idea that you own your content and you're not going out there and seeking these these giant television rights deals for an impact or are you if if is it worth it having it on your own property like an access tv or trying to get money for it and is that money existing in this current economy
0: I, it's a great question i mean you know i i think we have a you know decent understanding of like where impact currently ranks perhaps you know in in our the professional wrestling landscape and i i it's at least judging by maybe by ratings and, and by reach i mean it's it's a it i would say a very distant third if not maybe even uh, a fourth when you're comparing it to you know other other companies like a mlw or, or gcw perhaps wow like of women us. of
1: wrestling is like it, it draws significantly more because of their syndication packages as well
0: yeah so what exactly is their ceiling and can schaefer take it any anywhere beyond it through other avenues internationally or or wherever else where, where where would you say uh invicta sort of currently ranks in terms of like the mma fans
1: appetite i i, I would say it's Relatively, I, I would say it's smaller than what impact is in professional wrestling. Like it's, it's very, it's very, very niche in MMA. And p- part of that, like it's a, it's a product that everyone knows. Like it's, it's an all women's promotion. And it's certainly during its years when it was, uh, putting its shows out for free. And then later, uh, they were going through pay per view and on fight pass, like, it, a who's who of women's fighters have gone through there but we're in an era where the UFC dominates so much of the market share and then you've got Bellator and then you've got PFL and then you've got ONE Championship that if you're an MMA fan it's no, it's not all that different than professional wrestling that if you're trying to keep up with everything it's like it, this is you know far, farther down the the itemized list of MMA to try and keep up with. And it's, and it's catering a hardcore fan base, but you know, you you can argue where one is in wrestling versus one is in MMA. Mm -hmm. They're both uh, desperately fighting for market share and ultimately to have profitable divisions. But again, as we always talk about with Anthem, the other part is even if these companies are losing money on their own, they're also content that fills the like funnels, a a greater hole here in Anthem. That is fulfilling their television contracts and being mm-hmm. programming for them in-house.
0: To me one of the biggest takeaways from this story is uh the knowledge that somehow um Sign Guy Dudley is a part of this entire announcement yeah. as well.
1: Yes, uh Lou DeAngeli who's actually been working with Impact for about a year, he is uh, officially named as their VP of marketing and for those that have not followed the uh the career of uh, Lou D'Angeli since the days of ECW. Like he has gone on to become like a, a very big executive, uh, working as a VP of marketing with Cirque du Soleil, uh, had a similar job in WWE and now in impact wrestling. So there's a lot of like interesting names that have, uh, that, that have joined Anthem over the years with, uh, Shannon Knapp there. Um, there's a lot, Ant Evans who was, uh, uh, a VP with with the UFC for for a time being, uh, of course, Steve Harvey. I mean, there's uh the list goes on. So a, a lot of like interesting people that, again, I look at the infrastructure and it's a very like strong group that they have with a lot of industry experience. And Richard Schaefer is sort of the uh, exclamation point at the end of all that. So it's interesting just to see where their moves are. And for something that, you know, investing in something like purchasing an access TV in this current landscape like is that a is that a viable entity running a traditional television network in in this day and age like do they have a different streaming strategy than what they're they're currently utilizing with like Impact Plus something something larger on the combat sports front um all these are questions and i think that's all things that are going to be tasked with like Richard Schaefer's mandate of creating a vision and and what what we want to do within 12 to 18 months and where we want to take this company and specifically Invicta and impact. Hmm. Latest on the new Japan cup, the second round matches today saw evil defeat Jeff Cobb with 10 million run-ins and weapon shots and evil hitting. Everything is evil. And then in the main event, will Ospreay beat Mark Davis with the hidden blade. Uh, I got to see the main event and I thought they had a great match. This was a tremendous singles performance for Mark Davis who doesn't often get to have a big showcase match like this and you could not ask for a better opponent but uh, Osprey advances and now the second round will come uh will finish up with David Finley against Great O'Conn and Zack Sabre Jr. against Shota Umino on Wednesday and then the third round begins on Friday so thus far we've got Sonata against Naito in the next round Evil against Osprey uh Hiroki Goto against Tematonga, and then the winner of Uh, Wednesday's matches they will square off as well so uh, I I would see your your I believe that David Finley might be your your favorite in in this tournament I I don't see someone the caliber of Osprey winning this and your other option would maybe be uh, a Naito but I I don't see them going to Okada and Naito again so quickly so Hmm. I would say David Finley is probably uh, the favorite here watch evil win now.
0: I guess the only question is, you know, will they, are they confident enough in putting Finley in the title match and a title loss? You would assume, you know, this early into his bullet club run
1: or will it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, he, that he was new champion. Maybe. That is a staple of ghettos. Booking is when he hmm. picks the guy, he does not like dip one toe into the water. He goes all in. And that was the same deal with Okada in 2012. Not to say David Finley is Okada of 2012, but that was the thinking was like, there's no way this guy can beat Tanahashi. And when he did was the, wow, this is way too early. He's not ready for this. And I mean, that would be one way to certainly shake things up with David Finley. Uh, Dave Meltzer has reported that Conan is set to induct Rey Mysterio into the Hall of Fame. And does this increase or decrease your expectation that there is going to be a big angle at the Hall of Fame on the eve of WrestleMania weekend?
0: So, do we know that it's still going to be a part of SmackDown this year?
1: Yes, it will be immediately following SmackDown.
0: I think it's it's very likely, you know, because this is a an induction that happens to be so closely tied to a match this year, and because they're talking about it so much in the build up to that particular match, it's very likely you will get some reference to it. But I still hold like um hold out sort of like the expectation that we're going to get a very satisfying and heartfelt real. Sounding like real speech from Ray. Um, I I think that's that that's at least the expectation. Um, like if there is an angle, I don't think it'll take away from the authenticity of the, of the of that moment
1: at least. Do you think that the audience itself is more receptive to storylines and angles during a Hall of Fame when it's piggybacking off of a wrestling show as opposed to its own ticket that you're selling people to? Where I think you know you go to some of the other hall of fame speeches that Hmm. I don't think people want that kind of thing. But in this new format, do you think that it's, it'll be more readily accepted?
0: Yeah, I do think so. You know, I mean, you're, you're seeing the hall of fame speech in the same setting as you, you just watch the fictitious play. Um, but you know, they could make a real statement. I mean, um, if it was previous years, I I wondered if, you know, if Ray and Dominic were involved in a storyline like this, if Dom would sit in the crowd with, you know, Angie and just, you know, like cry at his father's speech. I wonder if that would occur. Um, I think maybe an interesting basis of um, comparison is looking at the way they treat these press conferences where, you know, mm-hmm. it's a very mixed results. Some guys come out and are awesome theory. They just completely, you know, play their characters. Others are very much talking as themselves like like a sammy's aim will they give the direction for their talents to you know hey it's the hall of fame treat it like it's real we're not you're not playing your characters you're talking as as yourselves uh will there even be an opportunity see, to see much of the talent you know um because they, they don't sit Did, were they ringside last year they, no, right? they what had do they do?
1: The, the makeshift uh, seats by the entrance and then okay. they would walk down. Um, so, right. so they had the talent like sitting up uh, by the entrance area. Okay. Um,
0: yeah, I know it'll be interesting to see, but something tells me because this Ray Dom feud is like such a focal point of this year's WrestleMania. Something tells me that they'll probably try to protect that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm really glad they're going with Conan. He is the mm-hmm. perfect person to induct Ray. And yeah. I've, I was a bit surprised that it does tell you that they are open to uh, people that don't have much of a WWE history doing, you know, the, the big induction.
0: Yeah. The more interesting question is if like, if that person had like a strong, like if, if that person was an AEW contracted talent, like somebody who is maybe more considered to be like a part of direct competition, if if they would feel the same way.
1: Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's a question. I, I don't know if it would necessarily, uh, prevent it or not you you would think that there would be more of an issue like that um but i i guess you would you would have to look at it by uh a case by case like
0: like muda for instance you know like um sting it would be a, a good choice as somebody to induct him just you know given oh the he'd be
1: a great choice and it ultimately would come down to the companies like what is in it for us and and who makes that call? Like is, is WWE willing to go to AEW to ask for that favor? And what would an AEW want in, in response to that? I mean, they're, you know, these are two companies that are at war with one another and, and how, how accommodating would they be? Even though it, that would be the person that you would, you would think so. Um mm-hmm. So we, we should also add that a uh, PW insider has added that it seems like they are close to finalizing, um, an agreement that Stacy Keebler would be inducted as well. And um, that would seem to pair up with what we heard from Mick Foley recently stating that he had been reached out to induct someone. And perhaps that is Mick
0: Foley and Stacy Keebler. Did, did they have much of a like on screen history? Like,
1: not on screen, but they were, friends and when you think about you know who would you want i mean if 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 you were getting inducted and you want someone to give you a great speech you could do a lot worse than mcfoley he would be that's high up there and if you've got a uh a, a friendship with, with with the person i mean that's that's who you're picking hmm. and honestly like maybe there's one other but you know a, a class of three to four that to me is sort of the magic number for for these ones i think right yeah Okay, quick on, on ratings notes, uh, SmackDown, number one on television Friday night, 2,320,000 viewers, .62 in the demo. So this is interesting. It was their highest demo since February 10th, but their lowest overall audience since January 20th. So it seems like what we are getting is that 18 to 49 is going up, even though the viewership was, was down. It tells me like there is a, a younger viewership that are watching the, these shows. The big one was in Canada, where it did over 302,000 viewers, and in the several years I've been tracking all of these numbers in Canada, uh, SmackDown has never topped 300,000 viewers, so I was a bit surprised that it was this one uh, that, that did it. It was not a crazy episode of SmackDown, like when you consider the Montreal show last month with a big Sami Zayn speech at the end, but... This one was um third for the day in viewers among sports programming in Canada, uh, but number one in the demo. And to give you a comparison, like there was curling going on. There was a Blue Jays preseason game in the afternoon, and there was a late uh, Raptors game against the Lakers. And SmackDown was number one in the 25 to 54 demo on Friday. So that is a phenomenal number for SmackDown in Canada. AEW Rampage, on the other hand, also, doing a very good number by Rampage Standards, and I cannot for the life of me tell you why. I'm hoping way you have a theory. Four hundred and ninety-seven thousand viewers and a point one five in the demo. So they were up um th- they were up significantly in uh viewers and the demo. Uh thirteen and a half percent in viewers, fifty-one percent in the demo that they were up from last week. And this was going against way tougher competition than usual because you've got the NCAA tournament going on. So they were going against three separate college games. They were just below love after lockup and they tied on patrol live, which almost always beats rampage. It was their highest 18 to 49 number since January 6th. It was their best 18 to 34 number since December. And this is with the top 11 spots on cable dedicated to college basketball. So, if your conclusion is that Rio is a breakout star, um, th- this is the week to make that argument <laughs> or action Andretti and Sammy Guevara. I don't know because I looked at that lineup and I was like, there will be some good wrestling. I could not fathom that doing a great number. And they ended up doing, you know, by the standards of rampage, this was a very good rampage number.
0: No explanation. I have None. no idea.
1: You don't, you don't have any clue. I, I don't know. Won't even try. Well. We're probably not going to have um some great numbers coming up because Rampage is getting bounced all over the place. This Friday, they will be airing the show at 1130 p.m. Eastern time. Then next week, the show has been moved to Saturday at 10 p.m. So that will be on March 18th. And then on top of that, the week of Double or Nothing, they were going to do a live show on Wednesday and a live show Friday from the MGM Grand Garden Arena. But due to a scheduling conflict with the network, the Friday show is now off and they will just do Rampage immediately after Dynamite. On the Wednesday, so no Friday night show at the MGM Grand Garden Arena. And on top of it, Rampage is going to air on Saturday night that week instead of Friday once the NBA game ends, which is the night before double or nothing. So um, that one was unfortunate because you had literally just announced this date uh, the weekend prior about two nights at MGM Grand. And then before the end of the week, you have to uh, cancel it. But anyway, Rampage is... uh, they are at the mercy of the TNT schedule and they've got uh, a Bas- uh, NCAA this month and then the NBA playoffs kick off in May. And wouldn't surprise me if there's more stuff moving around given uh, TNT's NBA coverage. Yeah. Um, unfortunately- I'm fine with this because Rewind to SmackDown is going to be starting the next two weeks at 10 PM.
0: Same. Yeah. Um,
1: I don't, and I don't
0: know if much effort. Um, will be made to make sure like we'll watch these matches in dvr i'm i'm going to assume that these will feel like skippable shows but you know maybe they'll prove us wrong
1: AEW owes it to themselves to find out the source of this past weekend's number by having riho headline this week's Mm, show outside of the time slot and let's see if that audience travels and if it does then you got to go all the way with Riho. Riho is the top mm-hmm. baby face for this company. Everyone's everyone's looking at Jungle Boy, Darby Allen, Adam Cole. It's Riho, okay? And that's what, be. that's what this past Friday might have proven. And our lineups for the next two nights, NXT will feature an appearance by Johnny Gargano, an update on Roxanne Perez, the showdown we have been waiting for the last two years to see. This is going to draw way in on Tuesday night. Apollo Crews one-on-one with Daba the former uh, commander Aziz gallus defend the NXT tag titles against pretty deadly and an open challenge by Wesley for the North American title Wednesday dynamite in Winnipeg has the trios championship match with the house of black, the elite and the Jericho appreciation society, orange Cassidy and Jeff Jarrett for the Shazam gods of fury, gods of war, international foreign object championship championship. John Moxley, Claudio and Yuta against Hangman Page, Evil Uno and Stu Grayson, who I guess just gets to call when they go to Canada. He did the Toronto tapes, mm-hmm. right? TBS open challenge with uh, Jade Cargill, the debut of QTV, the Outcasts will appear and MJF's rebar mitzvah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some really interesting, um, promotional material AEW's tweeted out, um, with, um, A- MJF's rebar mitzvah. Um, A lot of hype going into that one looks like an art show. You know, I'm, I'm very curious to see how a Winnipeg crowd reacts, especially to uh, seeing Kenny Omega
1: and and Chris Jericho. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think that bar mitzvah segment is going to do tremendous in the numbers. The, I yeah. think it has the ability to, uh, to do that. And, um, and that is it for the news. Uh, I do want to alert people, uh, to a report that Brandon Thurston has, uh, done, uh, going and making a open records request with, uh, the city of San Antonio because the Alamo Dome, it is a public venue and therefore, um, they, are privy to like a public uh, request for a uh, documentation. And Brandon has done a great job of going through the attendance figures for not just this past year's Royal Rumble, but also the 2017 show from the same venue in San Antonio. And he has gotten his hands on exchanges between uh, someone from the WWE live events sector and – someone with the Alamo Dome staff and how they arrive at the announced number you see on the screen. And pretty much the request is we want to know what is the biggest number that we can get away with with the with a semblance of credibility behind it. And what they want to do is count in their words, not mine, anyone with a heartbeat. Even uh you've got to read this report. It's it's a great job by I Brandon. Read it at uh, yeah. patreon.com slash WrestleNomics, and uh, maybe we'll talk a bit about uh, it on Wednesday once people have a chance to uh, uh, reach this. But it'll be available for non-subscribers on Thursday. But if you are a, a patron of WrestleNomics, you can check it out now.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, depending on how much press this report gets, um, I, I mean, I think it's a pretty... I mean, is it is it that, that crazy? Um, no, you know? it,
1: it's not at all. But I would say if you don't... If, if you are somebody that... By any means attaches any legitimacy to these numbers. It Mm. only confirms what I think anyone assumed prior and quite frankly knew prior for some at least. But this is like in writing and in their own words of how they arrive at these numbers. So it's it's a very transparent look at why you should- why you should always be skeptical of these numbers when they are thrown out and and reporting on these numbers quite honestly like they should not be taken as gospel because they come out in a press release all right that is it for us uh on the news front, but coming up later this week on Tuesday, way and I are going to be doing rewind away number one hundred and twenty seven What is that in roman numerals we should uh we should we should convert over to Roman numerals way. Because this week we are chatting the Great American Bash 1988 The Price for Freedom as Ric Flair defends his championship against Lex Luger with the Maryland State Athletic Commission overseeing this one. What could go wrong?
0: Uh, A whole lot. Nobody better bleed because you might get an early
1: finish here. That's right. This is also the launch of the Tower of Doom. And we are going to go into all facets of the creation of this thing, uh, road warrior animals thoughts on this, uh, this construction years later. And we will also discuss everything going on with Jim Crockett promotions in this very pivotal year of 1988, where they would be sold by the end of the year. No stock price getting, uh, getting inflated with the expectations of a sale. Uh, Endeavor was not interested in Jim Crockett promotions. The Saudi investment fund was not looking to purchase Jim Crockett promotions. Could you have imagined? No. No? Dusty getting into business with the Saudis. I mean, what what an alignment that could have been. Well, look out for this on Tuesday. And then uh, later this week, Drive to Survive. Episode 7 and 8 from Season 5, that will be reviewed with Chris Elliott joining Way and I on Thursday. And then we've got our third cafe show on Friday night with Rewind to SmackDown at the special start time of 10 p.m. Eastern. So those are just a few of the goodies to look forward to. The whole schedule is up at postwrestling.com and you can join us here, video.postwrestling.com. So you can see Way's shock as I read to him from the 1990, 1988 Wrestling Observer Newsletter. You, you've you got to see the video.
0: You can, yeah. Um,
1: you don't have to, but you should. You can. Let's get into Raw from Providence, Rhode Island at the Amica Mutual Pavilion, the former Dunkin' Donut Center. Should we have a rule to just refer to it as its uh, former name?
0: In this case, I would sh- say sure, yes.
1: Okay. Well, kicking things off at, at the Dunk was Cedric Alexander beating Dante Chen and Akira Tozawa over Trick Williams on main event. Edge starts the show very loud pop as he comes out and he is calling out Finn Balor because we've got to end this. The judgment day appear. Edge refers to them as Lurch, Pugsley, and Wednesday accompanying Finn Balor and Edge agrees to the match challenge for WrestleMania and explains he has wasted the last year of his career with these guys. The year before that, I was wrestling in front of TV screens. I'm running out of time, and you guys are dragging the last last sands in the hourglass of my career are being wasted on the Judgment Day. And he admits that Finn Balor did make the Judgment Day better by leaning into them being bitter malcontents. And that combined, they are an Irish, Australian, Mexican, Puerto Rican emo delight. Like a bougie drink you would buy at a hipster coffee shop. Would you order this way? And would you get it with ice?
0: Um, probably not. No, I like McDonald's coffee. Dollar coffees for me.
1: Yeah. D- the McDonald's coffee does not get a whole lot of, of shine, but it is very underrated coffee. He made Edge quit. Back at Extreme Rules, but you still bashed Beth's head in with a with a chair. And you've made my life a living hell, and the only way for us to settle this is hell in a cell. So Balor says that he's been to hell, and hell spit him out because hell can't handle his demons. And Edge is just like, are you accepting this? Yes, okay, great. And thus we get the Judgment Day jumping edge, and out come Dexter Loomis. Candice LeRae and Johnny Gargano to even the numbers and then uh and then Edge got out of here during the commercial break he was the he was out of Dunkin Donuts in a second and we come back and we've just got an impromptu match
0: yeah yeah he's like yo you guys got this all right um I'm I gotta save up my my strength for a hell in a cell match at Wrestlemania so I'll see you guys later um I thought Edge sounded great here. You know, I love the fact that he's added this sense of urgency to getting rid of the rid of this judgment day feud, because he's, he's bound to retire relatively soon. And he doesn't want to waste his time with the judgment day because he intends on winning a championship. So I like that. He's desperate at this point to finish this so that he can move on. Um, It's like, I guess, you know, like you're doing a test in school and you spent so much time on the first question and you still have all this you have to do. So you're just kind of like really, really wanting to finish this first question um so that you can get to the rest. Um I think with the add addition of the stipulation. First of all, it's really great to see that they're allowing Hell in in a Cell to take place outside of of the pay-per-view cycle. It tells you maybe at this point you were no longer going to get a Hell in a Cell exclusive pay-per-view, which I think is uh, a positive direction. Um, I think that stipulation in this context, it just elevated this mid card singles match to something that really does feel like a high level feature on this WrestleMania card. Um, You, you add also the tease of valor introducing the demon character as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's certainly really piqued my interest here. You know, it's a, it's a feud at this point that certainly demands a stipulation of this type to finally end it. And uh, on a stage this big it's going to be a spectacle on its own so uh the tease of the demons first appearance at wrestlemania as well i think is going to be probably tremendous you know seeing it in a stadium so i think both additions are really significant um as far as elevating my interest in this match
1: so priest and dominic take on johnny gargano and dexter loomis And Gargano hit a cannonball off the apron. We go through the break. They've got control of Gargano. Corey Graves does bring up the Grayson Waller match at Stand and Deliver. Dominic hits the three amigos on Gargano, and then it's Loomis in here who was, man, he was doing his kip-ups into a leg drop, and they had a better crowd than usual, at least during this match. They would kind of get more subdued as the show went on, but I-, I thought the Providence crowd sounded very good for like the first hour of the show. Candace then stops Dominic from using the rope for leverage, so Ripley goes after LeRae, ends up dropping her on the barricade, and then it's Priest who nails Loomis with a clothesline, and there's a frog splash by Dominic, Gargano makes the save and then we see Loomis apply the head and arm choke onto Dominic makes the tag to Priest who hits a spinning roundhouse kick freeing Dominic and he hits south of heaven to pin Loomis in 14 minutes and and two seconds.
0: Good match. I thought, you know, crowd was responsive for the whole thing. Dom is a fantastic heel. He gets the biggest reactions up and down this roster. Really, I thought Gargano also did really well here. He's always able to shine um, as this sort of underdog did ring. And Priest, I, you know, I, I don't know if he's got any direction for WrestleMania thus far, but I'm sure they're setting him up for something big for Backlash, in Puerto Rico. So maybe he's, uh, you know, maybe a, a great candidate for the Andre this year, and then he goes into Backlash with at least, you know, a, a thing to be able to say, "Hey, I deserve a big
1: match." Then they did. Uh, they showed the pre-show angle involving Damage Control jumping Trish Stratus in the back and. Uh, Trish is being taken to the trainer's room, and we would get an update later. Omos comes out with MVP, and MVP calls Brock a brilliant athlete but a terrible tactician. You are choosing to fight – your your choice to fight Omos is the worst decision of your career. But the worst decision of his career, I think, was fighting Cain Velasquez immediately after he beat Shane Carwin. I thought that was a pretty mm. bad decision on his part. There's hmm. probably some others too. Um, but we the day after WrestleMania, we might be going back and giving the win here to MVP. Lesnar arrives. It's a little thing, but like this guy wears the exact same clothes every single appearance, and it just could he change it up a little? Like just uh does he just own the same jean jacket and jeans that hover and go over his ankles? It's that- his uniform. He or he's he like, Steve, like any. He's different... like
0: Steve. Steve Jobs. He doesn't want to choose. You know. He just like has the same thing.
1: Does he have a draw? Like a, a whole like, opens up his closet and it's just like a hundred jean jackets with the arms cut off. Perhaps. Yeah. Identical. You think it's
0: easy to get shirts that size?
1: I don't think it's impossible.
0: Well, I don't think he's one for style too much.
1: I guess not. So Lesnar stands in the ring, and dude, this crowd, they start chanting, holy shit, looking at these two big guys, staring at one another. Omos makes a fist in front of Brock's face. The crowd then chants, suplex city, and Omos offers his hand, and they go to shake, but then Omos won't let go, and they go to fight, and Lesnar is dumped over the top to the floor, and there's producers out, but Brock is not willing to go back and fight. He backs off. And uh, just has a smile going up. And I thought they were very smart to keep this as limited as possible. And, dude, this audience, they were interested in this.
0: Yeah, yeah they were. Yeah, really. Um, So they're kind of telling the story of Brock actually being scared of Omas, And I... I wonder how well other crowds are going to respond to it. Um, I think the crowd tonight in Providence really reacted well to just seeing the face to face, you know, like it's a visual that they were really, really into. Um, I thought the toss over the top rope might have been a bit weird. And I hope that's not a sign of, you know, the actual match to come.
1: Um, I wonder how well, hard th- th- of a- this will be smooth way. This is going <laughs> to be like, you know. I wonder watching. how how Omos hard. He's watching his Jacobs. You know, he's going to be ready for this.
0: Oh yeah. Uh, I wonder how hard of a sell it, it's going to be to to try to convince us. Like Brock Lesnar will be scared of an Omos simply because of, of the man's size. Um.
1: You know. In the but, in we'll the see. end, he's given this dude an F five, and I think it's it's all in how you. You know, Brock has got to sell for the beginning, which is a lot better than Omos having to sell, and then he makes the comeback like this. This should not be. How often has Brock been tasked to sell?
0: Like I can mean, he do a good job?
1: Um, it, I don't think o- Omos's offense is going to look particularly great. Um, I, I think this needs to be short, like really short, um, mm. like five minutes tops. Uh, because this is a spot. You are building to a spot. This would be like Wardlow giving the powerbomb to Sutnam Singh. It's all in the spot because I don't think anyone wants to see these two do much brawling. Um, and, and I don't think Omos can do like even, even a short style Brock match where he's throws the guy around like this is kind of the opposite it's got to be almost throwing this guy around and if i'm brock like this dude ain't suplexing me i think it
0: could be a decent way to break up the card you know it's like visually i think you you saw tonight evidence of, of this being um potentially successful to maybe capture audiences that just like impressive visuals like this is the type of match that might, might make my dad you know stop and actually watch because it's simple to understand big guy versus small guy or less big guy i should say
1: Okay. Well, if we have a third seat ready, either night that these two get assigned. Okay. Cody Rhodes took on LA night and night slams cody's arm into the post so then cody does the exact same thing uh knight scales to the top for a superplex that sets up the break and then cody comes back disaster kick generates a two count and then it's the cody cutter he does his own hulk up into the crossroads mode and he hits the crossroads in 937 to win the match Mm -hmm. yeah um go ahead i was gonna say like the match was fine it was more so the promo afterwards that was the big part of this segment for me
0: I thought it was just you know like for all these WrestleMania featured acts, the TV shows are there just to basically keep you in their in their memory and to um showcase their I guess whatever they have to offer. And I think Cody's style fits really well within like a WWE main event role. You know he was very good in AEW, but I, I'd argue his style fits even better for a WWE. And uh you know these crowds started chanting Cody, Cody, Cody.
1: Cody says he does not work for the bloodline, and if I want to fight with Kevin Owens or Sami Zayn, I'm allowed to do that. Heyman said not to make this personal, and he calls that a joke. This has been personal since the day I showed up on this show when I was 21 years old. It's personal when I wear an armored suit, not because I think I'm somebody, but because I want to be somebody. And he says that Reigns needs to acknowledge him. I'm not perfect, but since I've come back, I have been because I'm undefeated. And he says, I grew up as a prince in this industry, but without a crown, no title. And on April 2nd, when the sun goes down on Hollywood, it's going down on Roman's generational run. He's waited his whole life. He will wait no longer. He will pin Roman Reigns and become the first Rhodes to say he is the undisputed WWE Universal Champion.
0: Mm -hmm. Just amazing. Really, really fantastic. You know, we're um, like we're a few weeks, you know, after Elimination Chamber, and I think as as much as maybe it stung in the moment to not have Sami Zayn be the guy heading into WrestleMania in a prominent featured main event role, Cody, I'm very confident to say, is the right choice. He really is. He's he's the right choice for a machine like the WWEs for a stage as grand as WrestleMania. Um And I think he continues to just exemplify it and, you know, really kind of wash away any sort of maybe resentment that even like the hardest of diehard Sami Zayn fans might have had. He's proving that he deserves this spot week after week with promos like this, more so than even like a guy like a Drew McIntyre, who's um who they continue to tell the story of like he went away and came back and became who he is. Like Cody is the guy who left their system and really came back to be the exact type of guy that they they're looking for at the very top and another outstanding promo here um i think he he hasn't had a bad one yet in this entire wwe run
1: yeah this this was great and uh, to no one's surprise but also confirming like the date uh of this being on the the second night as i guess we're going to start to get uh the separation of these matches and what's happening on what night Saxton interviewed Seth Rollins, and he said that last week, Logan Paul landed the shot of a lifetime, but you can't keep me down. The Miz appears stating that you lost control of the narrative. I was waiting for Braun Strowman to peek in here, and he informs him that next week, Logan Paul will be on Raw for a live edition of Impulsive TV, and Miz will be the guest. So Baron Corbin pops in. He wants to be the guest he gets turned down. Then he wants to co-host WrestleMania with The Miz. He's turned down. Then he tells Seth that he's a three-time Golden Gloves champion and he can train Seth. He's also not interested in that. Seth in fact says, "I would rather get boxing lessons from my baby daughter." And he says Baron says he will knock out Rollins faster than Logan Paul did, so they make a match.
0: Mhm. Yeah. Compelling um.
1: stuff with this Baron Corbin direction they're they're going with. Like all the twists and turns. <laughs> I
0: I I don't know if it's uh, leading anywhere, but um, I guess the show again needs these sort of LA and Miz types in order to you know set up the actual featured acts. Um,
1: I'm fine with LA whatever. Knight and, and the Miz, but uh, Baron is just uh just at a lower level than everyone it seems, and by by design, like they are trying to position him in in that that light. Mm. Elias is with Rick Boogs. We had the the long-awaited, week-long wait for the match with Bronson Reed. Boogs is on the floor taking notes. The most uh, notable thing here is that Elias hit, as was identified, the symphony. And then Bronson, with a spin slam and the tsunami, pinned him in two minutes and nine seconds. Sort of our only match on the show that... Really has no attachment to any Mania program. This was Hmm. just here. And you have to wonder where a Bronson fits in. If there's an Andre Battle Royal, that would seem like a spot because I don't know if there's anything else for him.
0: Maybe there's no role for him at WrestleMania. And I think that's fine. The man just, you know, barely began here, had a big, um, I would say pretty, you know, featured role at Elimination Chamber, but he's also a project that I think is just because you're heading to WrestleMania doesn't mean you you shouldn't be setting up, you know, the future as well. But you know, he might be looking more towards a SummerSlam or beyond as sort of like his time when he's really hot.
1: Chad Gable has missing posters as he is searching for Otis. And then Becky and Lita walk past into the trainer's room. We will catch up with them later. Kathy Kelly interviewed Kevin Owens and asks, why have you he refused help from Sami Zayn? And Owen says that he asked for help for a long time, but Zayn is, uh, he can't fight with him. Given their history, he wants no part of them. And he looks into the camera. He doesn't want nor need Cody Rhodes' help. So do not come out during my street fight. Keep your attention on Roman Reigns. I don't want you to be the reason that you lose in two weeks. Recap of the Cena-Austin Theory segment from last week. And earlier today, the Street Profits are in the back. Austin Theory walks by and they laugh at him, calling him Baby John Cena and call him a choke artist. Austin Theory says, you'll probably be unemployed in a few weeks, and I got what I want last week, a big-time match at WrestleMania, whereas you, Montez, were given a big opportunity, and whenever you are, you fall flat on your face. I don't know what that feels like, but when it comes to the smoke, you always choke. Dawkins steps up to him. He issues a challenge and threatens to cook Austin Theory tonight. He's going to cook him. And then Theory gets in the last word asking what the two of them are doing at WrestleMania. And they're just left silent because they're not booked. They're Mm -hmm. Dennis stamped.
0: (laughs) I thought it was a good backstage interaction here between the two. Um, you know, Theory, uh, they're taking advantage of maybe a lot of the uh, reaction to the Cena segment. They're, it's canon now that Cena completely buried and obliterated Austin Theory. And they have even, you know, the baby faces here teasing him for it. And uh, again, I think. It's a way to set up a theory comeback to all of these other, you know, detractors. I mean, he stands up to the prophets here and he attacks their feelings by attacking one of their sensitivities and saying that this guy's, you know, this partner is better than the other. Um, And it built to like a nice little heated interaction here. It's a unique way to perhaps tell the story of a heel because, you know, doubting a performer is usually something reserved for like a baby face. But maybe because theory is actually like in real life seen as somebody who not many people believe in. Um and maybe because he's ultimately the beneficiary of this Cena program, I I feel like it works for him as a heel. So um, you know, yeah, we'll see.
1: The question is going to become if if he can like win over an audience, whether it is mm-hmm. great promos, great matches, and to me like he he hasn't hit that with me yet. Um but that's what this program is designed to be like he should beat cena at mania it's following that and do people see him in a higher light than now like they have gotten very serious with austin theory over this last uh, 6 month period and i still don't feel he has cracked to you know where he is looked upon as the the, the natural ascendant to a top position in the company
0: yeah but the story sets sets up the forum for him to show that he he does deserve it
1: that's it we will we will see how this this goes uh, Austin Theory takes on Angelo Dawkins, so they had uh nearly 10 minutes here. Theory sent him into the barricade. He's showing a lot of aggression here, and then Dawkins nails him with a pounce. Uh, but then, as he goes for a twisting avalanche in the corner, he has met with a forearm smash that sets up A-Town down, and Theory wins clean in 941, then applying the STF onto Dawkins when Montez Ford runs down and probably leads to a match on Raw next week.
0: Good, strong match, I thought. You know, good showcase of aggression from Theory here. Again, coming off of the embarrassment and wanting to maybe show that he's, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, not not to be dismissed, I guess. Dawkins, as always, um, continues to look really good, even in these single settings. And it looks like they're using the profits to build Theory ahead of Cena.
1: Kathy Kelly interviewed Paul Heyman, and he states that their problem is Kevin Owens, and they're going to solve their problem tonight. And the truth will either imprison the mind of Cody Rhodes to make mistakes uh, or it'll break him. And he calls Cody a compelling and riveting challenger. But by asking Reigns to acknowledge him, what a schmuck. And he says that Roman will be here next Monday in St. Louis, and Cody will have to acknowledge Roman. And that will determine if he is a challenger or a problem. And he is a problem that Roman would personally like to solve. So I guess they've answered their own question, but we will, uh, get a segment with these two in the ring next Monday in St. Louis.
0: Yeah. And I hope Roman actually shows up this time.
1: Yeah. I mean, now you have a reason to put him in the graphic, but Hmm. maybe, uh, maybe Canada really fell for that graphic last Friday and they were, they were duped. Could be. They air the Hall of Fame uh, video package for Rey Mysterio that ran on Friday. And note that the next inductee will be announced on The Bump this Wednesday by Ric Flair. Hmm. I, I mean,
0: uh, you know, they don't have too many uh, TV shows left to make these announcements. And we're getting a pretty late, you know, series of announcements this year. So I guess why not give it to The Bump?
1: Do you remember the angle when Stacy Keebler was pregnant in WCW? Uh,
0: Yes. Yes, with David She Flair.
1: ended up giving birth to an 8 by 10 photo of Sean Stasiak. But originally, it was going to turn out to be... Because Stacy Keebler was involved with David Flair. And mm. then w- we actually reviewed the episode where they did the wedding in 2000. And Stacy runs out on him. And it was going to be determined that the father of the baby was not David Flair, but was Ric Flair. So wouldn't it be... All Jeez. these years later it comes full circle that wow. Rick Flair announces Stacy Keebler on the bump. Uh yeah,
0: um the bump, you know, uh, appropriately named. Um that would be quite the
1: uh <laughs> uh pull I suppose from their uh WCW's history. Um Or or we get KG Muto skyping into the bump <laughs> uh to uh receive this, this
0: Well what would make sense? Well like what would what, what would make sense for Flair to
1: well, uh, I, I was gonna say Flair has the history with, with Muto, but he has the history with Stacey Keebler. Mm, yeah, you okay. could do, yeah, maybe, maybe they do, uh, Muto on, uh, hmm. on when, well, it, it's, it's whoever. Um, doesn't matter. Mysterio comes out and he is thanking the fans for, for making this award for him. And Dominic interrupts him, says, Ray earned this honor at the expense of him. You put your entire life into this business and chose these strangers instead of being there for your kids. He said how Ray made Dominic promise to get these good grades in school and he would go out with Dominic, but instead he ditched him for WrestleMania. I want to know what these plans were. Like, are we going to go see a movie or something? Was, was Ray double booked? Did he not realize WrestleMania was on this particular night?
0: We'd have to go back to all the uh, WrestleMania's very Mysterio appeared in. Well, what did you say? What did he turn? What he was? What, grade eight? Eighth grade?
1: grade eight so come on let's
0: do the math here which wrestlemania is well, it?
1: what year was dominic born in i don't know i think he was born in like 96 so if he was uh dominic mysterio let's make sure 97 he was born in so he would yeah. be about think, f- uh, 14 13, so 2000 13, 14. 2011 okay that was the uh that was the cody Rhodes here i think i think it was ray think, and cody oh uh, uh, okay okay so man, we we've we've got a double feud going here. We've got Dominic with a uh, history here. Uh, Cody was the one who like got the program with Ray and took him away on WrestleMania night when they were supposed to hang out.
0: I, I think nicely sets up your title future title challenge right there.
1: Perfect. So after he ditched him for WrestleMania, uh, he then said that you promised that you would buy me a new car, and his friends pulled up all driving their brand new Mercedes. And all Ray bottom was a BMW and it wasn't even an M series. This was a great line. <laughs> I thought Dude, Dominic is just doing these awesome promos. I, I think he's just fantastic.
0: It was a really good line, got a big reaction. And I think online, you know, was, was the most quotable thing that, that was said here, which is great. Um, part of me felt like it might've been a little too comedic and over the top, like, because, you know, we love how over the top he is when he's talking about his jail stuff. But like, since he, like, especially last week, you know, he really established a more serious, realistic vibe, uh, with his aggressions towards his father. So did this kind of, you know, maybe swing it more towards like, oh, okay, this is story. And he's just kind of making this stuff up a little bit for me, but I mean, it got a great reaction. And really, that's probably all that matters.
1: I actually think the line worked because, you know, from the the commentary from Michael Cole that I think certainly needs like more of an explanation that, you know, Ray was about to throw Dominic out of the house because of his problems. And then you've got this line about, you know, promising to hang out with me and you pick your job over me. I think you do want a bit of a something to just like reassure your audience that Dominic is the spoiled child here instead Mm. of kind of feeling sorry for this kid that just wants to hang out with his dad. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So I, that's why I like the line in this. He calls Ray a sad, ugly excuse for a father and a man. And I'm going to let you enjoy your hall of fame ceremony, but I'm issuing a challenge to face you at WrestleMania. But Ray once again, will not fight his own son. He still loves him. There will be no match. So Dominic says Ray is doing what he always does, running away. And the only thing you've taught me is what not to be.
0: Mm-hmm. Dominic
1: was great here. And Ray is just awesome at just looking heartbroken throughout these mm-hmm. segments. So these continue to be very, very strong elements of the program.
0: Yeah. This entire program dating from, you know, the, 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 the turn uh, itself ha- till now has really been fantastic. And the only question is how long they will delay the match announcement for. Can they delay this all the way until the Hall of Fame? They could. I don't. They could, but I don't. I I personally don't think so. Like you have to remember, the Hall of Fame is the last thing people will see before WrestleMania itself. And and I have a feeling they'll want to put it on the match graphic and have the full card ready before the actual um um show. Um, and I don't think they need to. Like I think you know on the Raw or at least like a week before uh, on the SmackDown before make the match and just let people really kind of salivate over it. You know, this is um I think one of the the best stories they they've got going into this this year. Um, and they continue to tease it really well.
1: Kathy Kelly is outside the trainers room. Becky, Lita and Trish emerge and Trish says they should have done a better job because all it did was piss me off and they took off and this was it. This was um uh quite the uh involvement here of this program. I thought the beatdown in the
0: back looked pretty good, you know, um and you know, I I've, I've been wanting them to actually give us a, a story attached to, you know, Trish and Lita coming back beyond just, hey, it's Trish and Lita coming back, you know, giving us a reason why they, they are motivated to, you know, attack their opponents. And I think this is at least a start, but I also feel like we probably, I hope to see this built, built a little bit further. Like what, you know, what exactly are, um, Bailey's issues with, with Trish, uh, or vice versa?
1: Yeah, you could certainly, hone in on that a bit more over these next few weeks so it doesn't feel as much as it's just a um uh a a six-woman tag that has the you know the stars from the past doing the match but you do you you do have two weeks to you know
0: yeah i want to hear some like good material like some good promos from trish online this week they had an exchange where like uh, i think bailey referred to um one of the wrestlemanias where they lost their tag titles Her, her and uh uh, Sasha and like Trish was consoling them like there's history you know uh, and especially like when it comes to fandom uh, you know but between somebody like a Bailey or Dakota and I'm sure even in EO towards Lita and, and and Trish and I, I just want to hear a bit more of that rather than just you know hey here's a match
1: what would the editing of that video be of them losing the tag titles would it be reminiscent of <laughs> Cyril gone losing to Francis Ganu on the countdown special
0: I, I I don't know what that would what that was. What do you what was that? When they, oh like with oh they, was, they like, pretty how much do you get rid edited around the
1: existence of Francis and, <laughs> Goner. and
0: Well well if somebody's rolling and crying on the floor, you don't necessarily need to see their face. So there's there's editing you could do there.
1: I will mention that for for this uh, weekend, what they're doing for the A and E biography, instead of one two hour documentary, they're doing two one hour versions, and they the first hour is Jerry Lawler, which. 60 minutes with commercials seems very tough to do on jerry lawler and then the other hour is on page and they did Mm -hmm. promote the uh the page documentary uh through through the ads that were were running so yeah just interesting that those are
0: potentially it was in the works like before she might have even i'm sure i'm sure it was and
1: that that's why they're doing this and maybe just cut it down that they didn't want to do a whole two hour version on 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 one of them or both of them i guess because Jer- Jerry Lawler, you could easily do two hours on Jerry Lawler and have plenty, uh, left at, but they hmm. will squeeze that into an hour. Seth Rollins. And, oh, first we got the, uh, the latest, uh, movie trailer. And this was a parody of Stranger Things with Rhea Ripley playing Eleven and John Cena as Dr. Brenner. Um, I, I thought this one was, uh, I still think the Joker one was the best. This would be my number two because the other ones, the Top Gun and Titanic, were not great.
0: I agree. I agree. I mean, you know, some, I I didn't really watch all that much of Stranger Things beyond um, the first season. So this might have not been a scene that immediately kind of, um, you know, um, catered towards me. But I could tell that it was probably a bigger hit than those other two were. And maybe even the first one.
1: They they should have been uh, maybe a little bit more. I don't know. Do, do you feel if they had been contemporary and tried in the last few weeks to do ones of like ones that have all this Oscar buzz? Do you think that they would have been uh, better or do you think like the classic titles are yeah. the way to go for parody?
0: I think the classics, you know, because yeah, how many people are going to recognize like. Yeah,
1: that's ca- what I'm thinking. Like, I don't tar. think we would, would get a whale reference or I mean. It's just I don't know if it would it would resonate uh, as much given the that. banshees of Inisherin. Like I don't <laughs> like. Do you know what that trailer looks like? Yeah, you know? you're right. You're right. I wouldn't. Yeah. Seth Rollins and Baron Corbin. The Miz is out on commentary. Uh, Miz calls Rollins' theme the most annoying song, and Corey Graves says, "Well, it isn't Baby Shark. You're gonna, you're gonna. I, you know, I'm already well familiar. Oh, yeah. you're into Baby Shark already? Well, yeah." Just as I warn every parent, stay away from the wiggles. That's all I ask. Hmm. Uh, anyway, Miz gets tossed into the ring. Seth comes off his back and stomps Corbin to win in 224. Just uh, nothing here. It was quick.
0: A nothing match. You know, the most you can ask for from some of these is like a cool highlight reel finish. And I thought you had that here with, you know, uh, Rollins jumping off of the Miz, like like doing Super Mario, basically, you know, and, and getting Should have about the boots on. You're right. What happened to
1: that? That was a one week thing. That was a very huh. expensive one week experiment.
0: Yeah. Well maybe maybe he's saving it saving it for WrestleMania.
1: You've worn them now. It's uh to me that would have been my WrestleMania gear that I I come out wearing those boots for. You should have a... done it March 10th. Mario Day. Is that Mario Day? Oh. Yeah, M A R one O. Oh my god, really? That's that's hilarious. I'd never have heard I've never heard of that in my life. Gable is searching for Otis and uh Ali appears. And they find Otis doing a photo shoot. It was not that hidden. And Otis, they state, is not cosmetically cleared to wrestle tonight in his previously scheduled match. So it's postponed. Gable offers to pose with him. But then they state, you broke the camera. And they reference the Vanderpump rules, uh, which is another show I don't watch. Don't, don't look at me for pop culture integration. And Gable wants to go cram with Otis. But Otis leaves with the maximum male models.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean that's that's all well and good, you know. All this Otis maximum male model stuff. I'm glad they're getting some airtime. What's going on with Ali? What is what's up with Mustafa Ali? What what's the latest with him? He's like he's got a new character now. He's playing positive, like, yeah. But like he's like, what is this supposed to be? Like it's like really over the top. It's he's got like a turtleneck on or something. Uh, you know
1: what is this? Uh, this will be the first. Um, 15 minutes of his future appearance on talk is Jericho.
0: Huh? Okay. Yeah.
1: This will be rock bottom probably for him in hindsight, even a positive guy like Ali, which, uh, the man is positive, but I don't think this is probably what he had in mind when he thought, Hey, I can be a really uplifting character for the youth. Is he
0: building material for like, you know, his comeback to the WWE maybe in 10 years? And then he could say, like, I survived this phase, like well, Cody survived Stardust.
1: Well, the clock's ticking. You, you gotta get, you gotta get moving uh, at this point. Uh. It's, it's time to go. Bianca Belair and Chelsea Green with Carmella in the corner. Uh, there was a standing moonsault by Belair and then a cheap shot from Carmella from the floor. After the break, Belair stops a curb stomp, sending Green into the turnbuckle. Carmella's on the apron, and Belair goes for a handspring, knocking Carmella to the floor, but then Green gets her knees up on the moonsault. Belair stops it on Prettier, and then there's a forearm smash by Green, but then gets nailed with the KOD, and Belair wins in eight minutes and seven seconds. Carmella and Green jump uh, Belair, and then Oscar runs down to save her WrestleMania opponent head kicks Chelsea and then hits a spinning back fist as Belair hits her with a spine buster and then Oscar takes the women's title pulls it away from uh, from Bianca and then starts dancing with the belt and then starts laughing maniacally as she spits up the blue mist and puts the belt down the crowd didn't know how to react to this and it was mm-hmm. very long at the end Um I'm just hoping these two have a really great match at WrestleMania, and it's so great that no one is going to remember how they got there.
0: Yeah, that's that's ultimately I mean, it's why they made the match, because I think they're pretty certain that these two will have a really good match. But um unfortunately, they haven't really found the, the way to to create a compelling story between the two. You know, they can re- only rely on the formula of like you know beating up these sort of mid-card tv jobbers for so long they've already gone through Carmella they've already gone through Chelsea Green now w- now they're going to team left? up against them yeah it's just it's just going to be an endless cycle unfortunately um
1: again there, there it- is a way that you could promote this in a in a compelling way with like mm-hmm. two of like your signature stars they've never had a big um you know title match like this um i i it sure beats what we're getting. I think this is. I think this is one of the worst builds for WrestleMania of any of the matches.
0: Uh, there's an argument uh, for, for it, certainly, um, because there's some strong builds and then ones that are just kind of like there. And I, I would say this is one that's just kind of there. They haven't really figured out a way to tell
1: a story with Oscar. Um, the story is, I've won the Royal Rumble, and we, there's a long time between Royal Rumble and WrestleMania. That's mm-hmm. the story.
0: But, I uh, you know, the onus is anytime you're going up against um, a wrestler who, who doesn't, who isn't really cutting too many promos, like – The onus is, is on the person who does cut promos. And I think like, you know, in the past, like we've seen people go up against Asuka and do a pretty decent job. Like Becky, I think he's done a pretty good job. Um, Bianca Belair in this instance as a baby face, which is another handicap, I think, you know, uh, which is another negative. Um, they haven't allowed, given Bianca anything interesting to say in, in relation to Asuka. Um, what makes this opponent or Bianca Belair any different from any of the others? Why does she care so much about defending this championship at WrestleMania? What is she going after with this win? Um, and I just haven't seen anything from her. The
1: mist is blue.
0: That's why she wants the win.
1: It, that's the unknown. That's the yeah. the threat that she is dealing with. But you know, like I, I think
0: she suffered from the same thing in the Alexa feud. Um, they just like there's just really been nothing no real material for her to like you know certainly sink sink herself into um that feels real um yeah they just haven't found the the solution yet
1: and the main event street fight between solo Sokoa and kevin owens they brawl immediately the crowd they just want a table just give us a table owens finally brings on a huge pop then owens gets sent over the desk so Sokoa puts the table back underneath and the crowd's pissed we go to break and I imagine you were not watching some of the ads, but they're they're promoting Canada's Got Talent, which features Trish Stratus as one of the judges, and she was not on this ad. Uh, but whoever was yells out, Canada's Got Talent only two weeks away. The only problem is then the date comes up. It starts on March twenty first. Uh oh! Oops. Somebody forgot to swap out the right ad. I imagine they, they did a bunch of these for each week. And this is, this was not up to, uh, the, the current, um, calendar. I, I think daylight hmm. savings time really threw them off, maybe. No, so no. we come back from break. Owens attacks him with a chair and he sets up six chairs, uh, upright in the ring and he lays Sokoa across the chairs, but then Sokoa stops him. They fight on the turnbuckle and you know how this one's ending. It's not Sokoa. Owens gets sent off the top and lands back first across these chairs, but then he kicks out and they continue. And Owens fights on rams him into the post. There's a barricade. There's a cannonball into the barricade. Then they fight into the crowd. They fight by the entranceway and they go backstage where Owens walks into a pair of super kicks from the Usos. They drag Kevin's lifeless body back to the ring, double super kicks and a Samoan spike. Sokoa wins in 11 minutes and 38 seconds, and Owens is spitting up on the mat to end the show because he has no friends by his own choice, and he is left within an inch of his life. But I, I thought these two had a really good match. Uh, hell, I, en- yeah. I
0: enjoyed this a lot. A hell of a match, you know, for the, the third hour on, on an edition of Raw. I think you're talking about two of the best brawlers on this roster. These two were, especially Kevin Owens, you know, he was treating this match like it was a pay-per-view match. And I think that's always the type of effort you can expect from a Kevin Owens. And again, like I'm, I'm, I continue to be amazed really at Solo Sokoa, how well he, he's adapted into um, like frequent main event role on these TV shows. And he just feels like he completely belongs there for him to achieve like. Th- that level of confidence and just like how, how good he's able to be this early into his run, I think is, is really just uh, really incredible. Um, You know, I, uh, this is certainly the type of match that I like seeing at the end of these three hour shows because they, they are energetic enough that like, it, be, and this was a great crowd that didn't really necessarily need it, but because this match was so good, I thought it took him you know, to an even higher level.
1: Yeah. Good, good match. I would say the best match on the show. So Mm -hmm. that was raw with uh, two more weeks to go until WrestleMania and next week they are in St. Louis with Roman Reigns and what else did they announce for next week impulsive TV with Logan Paul
0: okay yeah. Uh, let's get to some of your feedback, forum.postwrestling.com. Also, super chats we are taking. And this one is a pretty interesting topic that's come up. Uh, William Rahm sends $5 and says, your thoughts on the Bray Wyatt situation. Conflicting reports from Ryan Frederick of F4W and Fightful. What would you do with Lashley now for WrestleMania?
1: Yeah, so Bobby Lashley wasn't on the show. And yeah, it is um, it has been uh, brought up of like where... Bray Wyatt has been because he hasn't been on TV for several weeks and was not at the live events over the weekend. So uh, one report had stated that he might be off WrestleMania. Fightful has reported he is dealing with a a physical issue. And if you want to go by what Bobby Lashley put out tonight, he did put out a message just stating, essentially, I don't care who I face at WrestleMania. Um I'm paraphrasing. Uh, but he was not on the show tonight. And uh, I, I can't say for certain what the issue is um that has led to bray Wyatt being being off but you know certainly they are gonna have to make a decision if 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 by any means that match is in jeopardy and where you go uh with it if you just do uh, a hard switch with Lashley if you go with like Uncle Howdy as as your backup um or if Bray Wyatt is you know he he is good to go and this is just back on track. Uh you do have you know, it's it's not like WrestleMania is tomorrow, so they do have time to rectify this situation. But I I can't say for certain what the issue is.
0: Yeah, we can't say either. Um, it certainly um tells gives me maybe a, a a bit more reason to believe that the match isn't happening when Bobby Lashley himself might tweet a message like this. So. Um, I was not looking forward to the match anyway, and you, you know, um, I, I feel like there's so many other better opponents for Bobby Lashley, um, come WrestleMania. So, you know, what would you do with him? Um, who who could you see that might pair up better with the Lashley?
1: I mean, you could certainly, um, you you could come up with, you know, it's it's not going to be the most ideal uh, scenario because a lot of the key people are all set up right now but you do have some some people like a bronson reed you could incorporate the hurt business which was forgotten about again as soon as they got back together uh the street profits are without opponents again these are not you know maybe the most ideal if you're bobby lashley but you're looking at a backup plan with a limited amount of people that are that don't have plans is he a heel or a baby face well what week is it he could be either and that maybe is helpful in a situation yeah. like this but mm-hmm. um yeah and again there's still the possibility that this is uh, uh that Bray Wyatt turns out to be fine in time mm-hmm. for Re- Res- WrestleMania so we we will see but cannot confirm what the issue is Benjamin writes, uh, doesn't seem like a smart babyface logic to have a street fight, no DQ match with a faction that's been cheating and triple teaming against you for months. I thought there were some good promos on the show tonight. Austin Theory, Cody Rhodes, Paul Heyman, pretty decent segments. The Bianca Belair Oscar stuff still feels a bit confusing. Although Oscar dancing with the belt while Bianca watched her was pretty magical until the blue goo. Otis, the supermodel. I'm all in if we get more photo shoots like that. Loved Gable whooshing Ali. Uh, that whole segment was gold. Mysterios are an addictive soap melodrama. Can't look away.
0: Let's go to Tenise from Georgia, who says this raw stunk. Hell in a cell is all right. A good way to hide edge. And hopefully this program will be done after. I don't know what, what hiding edge necessarily needs. I He's been really good, um, I would say. So I don't know um, what hiding he's referring to. Since returning, Bronson has been spinning his wheels. Let this man do something meaningful. Week after week, they make Bianca look like a geek instead of her being portrayed as a fearless champion. I'm only interested in Roman and Cody for the curiosity of them pulling the trigger on Devante. I feel the build for Mania has been lazy and with 19 days to go, they need to pull the lead out of their asses and perk some
1: interest. Take care, good people. Take the lead out of their asses. Wow. Well, um, I mean, they to whatever you want to say about the build to WrestleMania, like, dude, their, their business is on fire at at the moment. And it is not just, well, it's WrestleMania season and numbers are up. Like they are, they are doing Phenomenal business every weekend. Their TV numbers are tremendous, and WrestleMania is going to be very, very big this year. And essentially, like you can certainly look up and down the card of what what clicks, what doesn't click for you. At the end of the day, it, it's being built on on one match primarily, and it's it's hitting on all cylinders. And from all available metrics, that is working, and that's that's going to be the key for the lion's share of the the interest for Mania. Last one is Jermaine from Chicago. Raw was a show I watched. I don't know what's the worst, the build Omos versus Brock or Bianca versus Asuka. It's so tiring then 2023, the WWE books people whose second language is English the way they book Asuka. It's insulting. If you won't get her a manager to speak for her, then what about cutting a promo in Japanese with subtitles? Imagine if it was reverse and they had Americans in Japan speaking English and making exaggerated faces <laughs> and that's all they did. It wouldn't happen. I thought Triple H would be more progressive. It's a huge problem for Asian and Latinos in WWE. Next, why would the Miz stand next to Rollins in the back and be all cool with him when he threw him out of the ring last week and curb stomped him the week before that? It makes no sense. Lastly, the in ring in the WWE means less and less each week. So many matches, you can hear a pin drop or a spot called. WWE fans like soap operas, not wrestling. Good night. Mm-hmm. A lot of points that, uh, Jermaine came in. He just had a, just a barrel full to, uh, to make and got them all out here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, subtitles, I think, would be wonderful, but they've just never done it, you know, Um, not on the main roster, at least. Um, I don't know if it's because they prefer their product to all take place like out of the ring, or maybe that's just the way they want to portray an Oscar character. Um, Having a manager would solve that, but they also don't seem to like to do managers either. So the program certainly needs something and and more than, you know, Carmella and and Chelsea green as just sort of like the recipients of, you know, their, their attacks every single week. Um, it's, it's a problem. I mean, it's a bigger problem this year, maybe because Oscar's in such a bigger spotlight, um, than previous, but I mean, she's had, she's had WrestleMania matches before in the past, but she's also had things like the undefeated streak, um, maybe like a more clear heel character, um, to go up against this time. She's going up against a baby face and, it's it's a bigger challenge and they haven't really kind of you know lived up to maybe those expectations yet.
1: Yeah, there are many ways to get around this. I just I, I don't look as the the language barrier being this uh this unsolvable problem. I think it is um you know, that's that's what it comes down to, like uh, a, a presentation. And with Oscar, like this is not a new character. This is someone that we have seen get over in uh, many different iterations in this company uh, as well. But I, I've been very disappointed with it, with that buildup, because I think that you tell someone on paper this match, that's a very intriguing direction. And here we are so far. And it has not been intriguing in the lead up so far. There you go. Thank you for the feedback tonight. And we are back Tuesday night. Great American Bash, 1988, the price for freedom. How much did that pay-per-view cost? That was the price of freedom in 1988. Apply it to inflation, it's a much more expensive price for freedom in 2023. But your price for freedom is six bucks. It gets you your access to the Post Wrestling Cafe. Three bonus shows this week, including Drive to Survive, season number five, Rewind to SmackDown. Again, special start time Friday night of 10 Eastern. And we'll also have a UFC 286 post show this Saturday night because way I'm so excited for a uk pay-per-view where the main card starts at 5 p.m instead of 10 it's going to be wow it's it's going to be a tremendous uh tremendous night
0: you can go to sleep early
1: I can yes so that is all coming up we will chat with you on Tuesday and Wednesday following dynamite goodbye